0: Hello internet peeps and welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little, I almost said the little China, a little podcast, episode 98. I am Dear Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Zach. And we are here, two episodes away from one hundo, but before we get into that, Andy's probably the only one that watched shit and played shit probably, or Zach probably played some stuff, so. but uh, I didn't do anything, so Andy.
1: I, uh, I watched all of this in a single day, but I watched more of Castlevania season three. It still kicks ass. Um, I watched Back to the Future Part three. I, I was just like uh, scrolling through Netflix. and I was like, I need to put something on while I uh, dust and fold laundry. Uh, Back to the Future, whatever. I put that on um, and then I watched Kingpin, which I'd never seen before. It was hilarious. And then I watched Kung Fu Panda 2. Um, it was also really good. I watched The Dirty Dozen, which is a classic. The movie's like one of uh, God damn it, it's fucking fantastic. Uh, I watched Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles just because it was there. Uh, I watched The World Is Not Enough, the James Bond movie, and then to round out the day, I watched ZZ Top, that little old band from Texas, the uh, documentary from 2018 about ZZ Top on Netflix. I, that was all in a day. And then I also played some Death Stranding. I played a whole bunch of a. Uh, super mario 64 i found my old nintendo power like physical guide that i had when i was a little kid and i'm trying to play the game without looking up anything online and just using that guide it's actually kind of fun but honestly i just remember most of the game so it's not that challenging
0: (laughs) nice that's stranding where are you i must know
1: um i'm in the mountains i'm trying to convince someone that i'm not bad she's um she's mama's sister or something i think
0: oh yeah that weird storyline <laughs> but it, yeah oh.
1: i watched all that stuff was on netflix and i just watched it all right in a row and it was just uh, i'm stuck at home what am i gonna do go out nope i'm not so i just watch 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 mm-hmm. zach
0: what about you
2: uh i watched uh this movie we're going to talk mm-hmm. about Hmm. I watched uh, the last episode of ruthless aggression on WWE network about the pretty much about the brand split.
1: How many episodes are there total? Uh,
2: five. Oh, is that right it? now? Yeah. Well, they're going to continue it in the fall. Oh, okay. Fair enough. So it's like mid season finale. Stupid shit. Yeah. I hate but, that. <laughs> anyway. Um, it was good though. Uh, that was a fun watch. Um, I didn't really watch anything else. Uh, been playing. I've still been playing Doom, trying to beat it before Eternal comes out. But I may not even get it Friday, because yeah, tomorrow, because I I got sent an email from Amazon saying, "Oh, there might might be delays." So it's like, I got oh. it too.
1: Yeah, they they sent me an email that said, "Uh, you're not going to get Animal Crossing tomorrow." And then they sent me an email that said, "Uh, you're also not getting Doom tomorrow." And I was like, "God damn it!"
0: Wait, they delayed fucking Animal Crossing? Well, it's not that it's
1: delayed. It's still getting sent, but they're experiencing, they and everyone else are experiencing so much extra traffic because people are shopping online because they don't want to go out to stores. And plus, um, like, essential stuff is being prioritized over video games. So just everything is compounding. It's making, they they told me I would get both of them on Saturday, just a day late. I, I don't care. That's
0: fine. I my Animal Crossing is still coming at uh tomorrow by eleven PM. Jesus Christ. Jeez, that's early.
2: Games are are essential, damn it. GameStop is still open and it'll stay open, damn it, no matter what.
0: Maybe. We'll, we'll talk about that soon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> they're 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 allowed to
1: stay open. They're special. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um yeah, I got the same email about Doom and I was like, fuck this shit. I'm probably just gonna get it on digital.
2: Well, they didn't tell me it was delayed to say it might be delayed. They didn't say a day for me or anything or that, or I didn't just read far enough. I was like, okay, whatever.
1: The email didn't it. give me it. a date, but I have the Amazon app that gives me updates, and it said uh, September, or no September, March, <laughs> March 21st. Yeah, that's a big delay, but it said it said the 21st Saturday. Yeah,
2: All right, well, that's fine. That's pretty much been it for me so far.
0: Mm-hmm. I guess we can kind of get into this talk real quick because the only thing i watched was the WWE and the AEW empty uh, arena shows and uh Andy was wondering what i thought about it i really the first one to do it was smackdown uh smackdown was the first thing they did in the performance center they actually did all three brands in in the uh performance center
1: is that the is that the one that took place during 316 day and Steve and Stone Cold wanted a, a hell yeah from an empty auditorium?
0: Yeah. <laughs> I <laughs> love that clip. <laughs> <laughs> that just uh, to touch on that, that just proves how good Stone Cold is that he could still put on a good promo with an empty arena. Even though it feels weird of him going, Can I get a hell yeah? And then just crickets.
2: I watched Edge's promo from that, and it was re- actually was better, I think, because there was nobody there. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it was like he was able the he was, the camera just focused on him, and there was no bullshit distractions or anything. Oh. And it was just it was really intense and shit. It was just good.
0: Yeah, just, just
2: track it down.
0: But uh, WWE was really really fucking lazy in their uh, empty arena. Uh, Shows because I believe SmackDown they did uh Elimination Chamber they showed some of the matches and in Raw they showed the Royal Rumble uh and
1: I mean they probably didn't have a lot of time to prepare right I mean they're like not performing to an audience now and I feel like I mean they're probably like delaying some of their some why of their did, A plus
0: stuff right then now. why did AEW do such a better job without even because
1: they can't afford to. To shift shift down gears i don't think so i mean since they're a brand new promotion right
0: yeah but wwe's been the main show i should say has been really really lackluster for the past couple of years you would Hasn't think- it
1: been lackluster for the past couple
2: of decades no
0: uh <laughs>
2: just no <laughs> i i wouldn't agree with that i would say within the within the last 10 years like, the the start of, you know, the 2010s, whatever you want to call it, yeah, there was a decline in the product. Then it kind of spiked back up around, like, 13, 14 when Daniel Bryan was getting over really big.
1: Oh, yeah, I, I can recall that being a big deal.
2: And then, like, a year after maybe 2015 or so, 16, it started to drop off again. Mm-hmm. And it's plummeted since then, So pretty in much, my opinion.
0: So pretty much when CM Punk did the pipe bomb, until pretty much Daniel Bryan got hurt is when it was good. And then it just dropped off. But well, yeah,
2: even calling that good is being a bit generous. Hmm.
0: Yeah, it was actually interesting with, you know, those players in, in there, but w- whatever. Um, but AEW, I thought, did this, such a better job. I was interested. I, I The only thing I thought was wrong, and I get it, they did it, is that they, like, starred three new characters even though one of them was with an audience uh i forgot his name lance archer he was on one of the dynamites before they started doing the empty arena stuff but uh Brody lee who was luke harper in a wwe showed up as the exalted one and then matt hardy who's broken uh he was um he showed up and i just thought it was kind of a waste because there's no fans you, you don't get that pop you need that pop when new people come in, especially, like, Matt Hardy.
2: I think uh, if AEW can continue, I think they should strive to still try to put on the best show that they can right now because I think they have a distinct advantage if they do it. Because, mm-hmm. like, is not fucking trying, obviously. I mean, I guess you could say they are trying because they're still putting on a show, but, like, it's... Eh. It's not their best effort, obviously. Yeah. Uh, Whereas they could still try really hard and kind of get. They still had consistent numbers, like that. They got like a really high rating, actually. Yeah, yeah,
0: because people were interested. You're like, oh, what's going to happen? And obviously, they got a bigger rating because Stone Cold was there. So.
2: Yeah, Stone Cold popped. He still pops ratings, brother. He's Mm -hmm. the most over guy in the company when he shows up.
0: But if you want to catch more wrestling talk, we have getting some color with me and Zach, which you can get on dot nov. uh com.
2: What are hey, what are we going to do for next week actually?
0: Oh, because of fucking WrestleMania, right?
2: Well, that and it's just we don't well next week's not WrestleMania yet. Uh, I mean, our, it'll be Thursday. Two weeks, isn't it? Yeah, that Sunday on that or, uh, yeah it's in 2 weeks you're right sorry i was i wasn't looking at the calendar correctly but yeah cuz the shows are dead and i'm not going to watch them right now because of that mm-hmm. <laughs> so what what are we going to do
0: <laughs> uh retro i guess we'll start here's the thing uh let's start at wrestlemania 1 let's let's watch it
2: oh boy you need it for the historical context mm
0: mm-hmm. mhm so WrestleMania. But As
2: far as Big Trouble and Little Podcast goes, don't worry if
1: you're listening. They're talking about the other show. We'll be watching a Hong Kong movie next week.
0: Mhm. In the Mood for Love. But uh yeah, that's all I've been watching. I've been, you know, keeping up with the corona stuff because, you know, everything's fucking canceling and shit. Uh let's get into the let's get into your movie, Andy, and I'm going to let you start it off because it was your choice.
1: Um M is one of the most popular movies from director fritz lang he made it in germany in 1931 Uh, it was his first um sound movie so he like experimented with the sound in a lot and there's still some scenes that are silent but they're silent on purpose because he's like playing with with soundscapes and soundtracks and ideas like that um uh lang was one of the best directors in germany at the time he um i mean the plot of the movie is what's more important i guess uh there is a serial killer of children on the loose uh i think it's berlin did they mention the city in this movie i really can't remember yeah it's berlin it's berlin yeah in berlin and it's more or less about like the police are trying to find him they're doing a shitty job but they're trying their best and um criminals are having a hard time being criminals because there's major crackdowns by the police on like clubs and and, and places where ne'er-do-wells hang out and stuff like that so all the criminals get together and have a big criminal meeting and they're <laughs> like you know what we have to do we have to find him so they start looking for him also and that's that's kind of the what the movie's about the police are looking for him the criminals are looking for him and it's also about um this is uh, peter laurie's kind of breakout role before this he just did like some light comedy or something i've never seen anything he was in before this i just know that from reading it on wikipedia or the, or the criterion booklet um but uh after this he got real famous and he was typecast as a villain for years afterward no no wonder why when you see this but
0: there was a uh, so, some scenes where you're just like who is the bad people because like everybody was going crazy and shit especially like when they started seeing like Old guys go up to children because a, a child goes, like, oh, can I, uh, do you know where to go? Or like, ask for directions. And all of a sudden, they're like, are you a pedophile? And they just, mm-hmm. they just start calling the police and shit. And I was like,
1: yeah, it's, it's hysteria. There's, there's like the police are arresting a pickpocket or something. And the crowd is like, that's him, get him. And they just like, like, tear him out of the police's hands and stuff. And,
0: you yeah. mm. um, the obviously he was experimenting with audio because there were times where I was just like, it seemed really odd. The, uh, you know, dialogue, but then again, this is the first time they use, uh, audio. So I was like, Oh, okay.
1: Mm-hmm. This was Fritz Lang's first sound movie. Sound movies themselves had only been around since like 19. I want to say 29. I might be wrong about that. So just a few years. And, uh, other people had done it but lang is famous in this instance for doing stuff like um uh, people were scared to experiment with uh, like sound off camera like if it wasn't in front of the camera directors and movie theater or movie studios thought that the audience was too stupid to realize where the sound is so something will happen off camera and the sound motivates what's happening in the scene and it's stuff we take for granted now but if if like movies movies were brand new to a lot of audiences back then so they were they they weren't doing stuff like that but Lang experimented not just with that but with like um a long silence and then like a a surprising sound and he experimented with um uh the the soundscape in general like the soundtrack is like more complicated and this is one of the first instances of a a song being associated with a character um peter laurie's character beckert is always whistling um What's the name of that song? I know, I know it. Uh, In the Hall of the Mountain King. So it's like whenever you hear that that song later in the movie, you know he's around even if he's not on screen. Well, oh, that's and cool. n- Again, that's just something we take for granted now. Like a character will have a theme. Like when you buy a soundtrack, it's, all, it's like Frodo's theme. And, you know, whenever Frodo's theme is playing, Frodo's doing Hobbit shit, you know? Mm. So like this, it started that a lot. Like this movie and Fritz Lang, for that matter, came up with a lot of stuff that is just all over film now. Like, this this movie kind of invented film noir, in a way.
0: Yeah, um... I'm trying to think what I dislike about the film. I guess the experimenting of it, but that's about it. I mean, he started off a lot of shit. Uh, I, I, I thought the only odd thing I thought about was, you know, those bunch of guys that were on, uh, like, we were sitting around the table and like the, the other guy with the, uh, shit, this is going to be hard for me to explain. Uh, <laughs> but he like points at the guy. He's like, maybe you're the murderer. <laughs> and they, oh,
1: during the hysteria.
0: Yeah. Part. Yeah. Slender
1: <laughs>
2: swine. <laughs> yeah. And then they, they get a fight. Yeah.
0: Zach, what what do you think about the movie?
2: Hmm. Uh, I ended up liking it pretty well, actually. Uh, that, <laughs> That part with like the audio experimentation, I didn't realize that. I knew this was really early into uh, sound or talkie movies or whatever the hell you want to call it. Uh, But um, there was a part in the movie where I almost could have sworn that something happened to my stereo. And I thought like it it just crapped out on me while I was watching this movie. (laughs) Is it when Uh, they're driving up in the cars or something? It's like when all those people are out searching in the streets before the criminals organize. Ah. And it's like all of a sudden the movie just goes dead quiet and it's like you hear like really low, dull, you can just barely hear it, street noises. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what the fuck? Is my sound busted now? And the the scene goes for a long time like that before there's yeah. any real audible noise, and I got kind of worried, and I was
1: like, Oh, okay, it's just the movie. <laughs> they there are later cut there are several, in fact, later cuts of this movie. There's like a um at least 20 minute um special feature on the criterion blu-ray for this movie that talks about the various cuts of this movie and one of them is there was a re-release of this movie a few years later and back then studios could do whatever the hell they wanted so this is done without fritz lang's input but they recut the movie to put some scenes in some different places and give it a happier ending because it needed that and they add sound to a lot of those scenes and they played one of this one of those scenes. And it's like you can kind of get more of what's going on, but it's like just hokey. It seems so, like the, the specifically um, right before they raid the Crocodile Club, the two cars pull up and all the police get out of it and rush inside. And in the original movie, it's silent. But in this, it's like the sounds of the cars and you get out and like someone's like doing footprints, like click, 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 click. And it just sounds like weird. And like you can see the Foley artist sitting there like moving his little coconuts around and stuff. And, <laughs> It's funny, but uh, not only that, but there's a there's a full English cut of this film. This film came out in the United States in 1933, I think. I read it earlier. I should know. And it played for like two weeks, subtitled, and did all right. And then they did an English version, again, without Fritz Lang's permission. But they got some of the original actors, including Peter Lorre. So this is, in hindsight, his first English-speaking role. And uh, he redubs like all of his, his talking stuff, but then they reshoot some scenes too. It's actually really interesting. And they did it for French too. And again, they got Peter Lorre to do it. So um, at the end of the movie, when they're like trying him and he's like yelling and screaming about like, oh, I feel like there's someone following me and I just, I have to do it and I don't want to. And then I like wake up and I'm reading a poster about what I've done and I can't believe it. That whole scene, like the scene is, in my opinion, extremely well acted. And it, I mean, I think film critics agree with me on that as far as I know.
2: Yeah, that was great. But he d-
1: did the scene again in French and then again in English. And it's just as good every time. Like the guy's just a killer actor.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that's probably one of my favorite part of the movies is just the ending where they're having this like crim- criminal uh, court scene kind of thing going on where... Pretty much, he's you know gonna get sentenced to death, and yeah, and he's like you know I'm sick, I'm sick, I can't help it, I can't help it, and they're like they're laughing at him, and they're just the same as him if you think about it. They're sick people that want to kill him. Which- yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, uh, One of my favorite characters in the movie, unironically, is his his uh, court appointed attorney. I say that with. With sarcasm, but, I mean, the guy is like, you know, I I won't allow a murder or anything like that, and everyone's, like, booing him, but, like, I kind of get what he's saying at the same time,
0: right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's the due process and everything, you know, make sure he gets a fair trial, and everybody's just like, fuck it, and what is he gonna do? He he, he can't overrule them uh, until pretty much the police show up.
1: That scene does a good job, in my opinion, of kind of like jerking even your opinion back and forth. Because when he says that, I'm like, well, yeah, of course, you can't just kill this guy in cold blood. You turn him over to the police, due process, blah, blah, blah. You know, a jury of his peers. I don't know what law was like in Weimar Germany, but I assume it is reminiscent of our own judicial system. But then it's like the woman speaks, and she's like, well, you don't know what it's like to lose a child and all this other stuff, and you start feeling like, yeah, you did kill a bunch of children. This guy's his comeback, Maybe he should die. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it just goes back and forth like that.
0: But even the police commissioner. Uh, Loman. And the politicians were just kind of weird about uh, – at times, they looked – Evilish and how he was like grinning and like using the other criminal guy to you know find out the location of where he's at and it's like it's like he didn't want to catch him because of the hysteria it seemed like he just wanted to catch him for i guess a good political move it seemed like a little bit
1: are you talking about the police commissioner lowman
0: yeah i don't know i didn't get that like
1: if anything, Loman seems to be the only character in the movie that is—I don't know if "righteous" is the right word. Like he is motivated by doing his job, as far as I can tell. Mm-hmm. I really like—I really like the whole scene where the guy comes in. and It's like—I um, can't remember—but they—they they say after they, they after they catch him in the building, they catch the the the. the the thief in the sweater whatever you'd call him and um they're gonna they lie to him and they're like oh one of the guards died we're gonna get you for manslaughter now and Loman is facing the camera but he has his back to the guy and he says that they were looking for the child murder and he like drops his cigar and I I like that whole scene I don't know he he seemed genuine to me as far as I
2: could tell but I don't know maybe I'm misreading maybe I'm misreading the character or the movie I kind of took it like uh yeah he wanted to do his job but i think he he wanted things to return back to normal more than anything probably like all of this stress and everybody like the the mayor's up my ass Callahan. you can't do this shit anymore like all that kind of like he was that (laughs) that, yeah
0: (laughs) but the um the scene where the guy puts the m on the, the murderer um why i get it that that they're trying to mark him yeah but M for Mark, <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe I just didn't get it. Like, why not just point him out? I guess he could well, just, what Well, what if you lose him? Which they do. You could just throw away the jacket, right? I mean, it's really.
2: Easy. Well, he didn't know until it was too late. Know. He's like, right. look for look for the guy with the M on his jacket,
1: mm-hmm. which is what they do. They say he's, he's marked. You can see.
0: Mm hmm um they did make an american version in 1951 apparently i see
1: they remade this movie yes i i know very little about that version i honestly uh i'd kind of like to see it just due to like gross curiosity but i'll bet it sucks i don't know maybe it doesn't maybe it's fine i don't (laughs) know
0: it's when hollywood started doing remakes fuck them um I don't know what else to talk about this film. Uh, anybody else g- got anything to say?
1: Zach, you haven't said much.
2: Well, uh, I'm—I don't know. You guys kind of covered a lot of the stuff. Uh, I would have. I—I uh, really like that scene when, like, the all the city officials or whatever get together and they're trying to talk about how we got to catch this guy. How do we catch him? And then it shows like the. I guess the four main criminal guys, like the, the safe cracker and the uh burglar and all that. Yeah. They're the, getting the together. Hard
1: guy and yeah, you know, whoever they are.
2: Like, we gotta catch this guy. it goes back and forth between them talking about like what they have to do. It's like mirroring the conversation. Um That's one of my favorite parts of that movie, actually. I really like the guy who plays the safe cracker. He I thought he was really good.
1: Yeah, he's he's excellent. He um he and the guy who played Loman, and, of course, Peter Lorre all went on to have, like, big careers and doing other stuff. You know, uh, Peter Lorre fled Germany and famously, like, eventually would star in um, – he's in Casablanca. He's in the Maltese Falcon. and he's in all kinds of stuff. He's in a, a couple of Hitchcock movies. He's in at least The Man Who Knew Too Much, the original one yeah um the guy who played safecracker though stayed in germany and i don't know if he joined the nazi party but eventually he would like run one of the state uh theaters it has some stupid fancy german name so you know that sucks a little bit but (laughs) um the guy who played loman i didn't know this until today but the guy who plays loman reprises that role again as uh police inspector Loman in the testament of dr mabuse which is a movie i've seen and really loved and i didn't realize that they had like a, a crossover of characters that's uh, I, I thought that was really interesting they were doing what? that back in the 30s there was a cinematic universe back then yeah there was a fritz lang cinematic <laughs> universe there should have been a post-credit scene in him where like some you know someone comes and talks to uh and this is even better because doctor mabuse is like the original supervillain and sure. I, I i don't say that with like some twisted like oh if you look at it this way no the guy was like a criminal mastermind that's the whole point uh he he's 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 brilliant when it comes to uh, matters of of criminality and thievery and terrorism and so he's like a supervillain and loman is like the hero who fights him in his second appearance because uh mabuse, or say Mubu- or i used to say mabuse it's mabuse i've been saying it wrong for years uh Mabusa gambler is the first one and then testament and then there's like six more down the road um first Lang returned to germany i think in the late 60s finally and he made a few more movies and like one of his last movies was like the eyes of dr mabuse or something like that i can't remember yeah,
0: there was a lot of uh kind of comedy scenes a little bit especially when the police raid the uh, criminal uh, underground place or whatever and uh, they're like paper please and they're just like I don't have it and they're like <laughs> go to the precinct or, I like that guy <laughs> or or the part where um you know they're all in the same location and they're like eating sausages and shit and they're like having a good time eating sausages and I thought that was pretty funny to look at as well um yeah I, what really made me like this film was pretty much the final scene. Uh the stuff in the beginning I thought it was really very experimental and you could tell it was experimental and, until it led up to that uh, court scene. Because
1: I remember I remember you kind of digging on some of the uh experimental expressionist bits of when we watched uh, Captain of Dr. Kalgari, which is a another early german movie it was episode 12 if anyone listening wants to go back and listen to
0: that mm-hmm. i'm not i'm not dogging on it i i yeah. just i just i really liked the ending like there were times where i was just like i get it that you know there's hysteria because there was like many scenes where i'm like i know there's a killer out there <laughs> they really want to catch him and there was like drawn out scenes but Obviously, it was because they're like, we need to try out the sound and we need to try out this music. We need to. They do- try
1: out a bunch of really cool shots, too. Some of my favorite parts of the movie are like, oh, man, that's a cool shot. I really like um, the most famous one is when he's looking at the display in the, the store and there's like a bunch of flatware and cutlery and it's a bunch of knives facing inward toward a mirror. And in the mirror, he can see that little girl also standing off to the side, looking at the display. And then there's a reverse shot from inside the shop, looking at him, looking in at the display and in the reflection of the glass, it's still the same daggers and he's framed in it. And he's like freaking out, like touching his face and doing that weird, weird look that Peter Lorre does. That part's super cool. And I also really like, um, after he's he's he follows her and then she sees her mother or or whoever and then he goes and has to get a couple cognacs at a at a bar or a, a, a cafe or whatever and it shows him through the bush. I like that shot too. I, I just like shots that are like through things. There's also a shot um where the camera moves toward a window and then goes through the window into it when they're giving all of the beggars their assignments. Mm-hmm. If you look closely, uh, like, I, I watched the Blu-ray, so I'm watching it in, like, the highest definition possible. You can see the glass, like, slide out of the way. But it's still super cool. It's it's still an ambitious and cool shot.
0: I do love the scene um, with the, uh, what do you call it? Hold on a second. I was just looking at it. You probably mentioned it, uh, but where the uh, Peter Lore, when he's, like, looking in the mirror, and he does the middle fingers with his, like, uh, frown and smiley face and shit yeah
1: yeah that's what I'm talking about when he's touching his face like I don't know how else to describe it he's like it, you can tell he's, he's getting a sickness now um that does that does remind me of something I did want to talk about with this movie though is there's that and it's like oh well, yeah I can't control myself I gotta kill these kids and um when he was writing this movie Fritz Lang spent eight days in a German insane asylum like interviewing actual child murderers you know asking them like motivation and stuff like that um which doesn't sound like a lot of fun to me but whatever uh but yeah obviously peter laurie's character beckert he can't control himself and the the big climactic um monologue at the end he it's like i'm being followed by myself i'm shadowing myself i gotta I, i have to do this but i don't want to and stuff like that um if all that were true why does he write the letter to the newspaper like
2: gloating about what he's done Yeah, I was thinking about that, actually, while that scene was going on.
1: That really bothers me, in hindsight. Like, is he actually a manipulative murderer?
0: Or maybe. Or,
1: like, like, did he lie at the end? I don't think he lied. Like, I believe what he's saying.
0: The The way I got the ending scene, where he was like, I feel like Moe's being followed, I feel like that's a multiple personality thing, where the monster side of him was a different personality, where he the letter to hmm. the newspaper uh, the, the
1: monster wrote the letter then i mean it, it makes sense
0: yeah because just like every serial killer what do they always do they always contact the media because they mm-hmm. want to tell them what they've done
1: yeah i, I guess i guess there's been there's been certain things about serial killers that have been around for just a really long time. It's just there's not like a, a long history of it. Something else I was interested to find out, like a bunch of people thought that Lang based this based um, Beckert off a specific child murderer, but later he said no, not necessarily. It was it was also another another child murderer in Germany. And he apparently when this movie came out, there were at least like five serial killers like terrorizing Germany at the time. Mm-hmm. different different cities all were having problems with serial murderers it's just Damn. germany in the 30s sounds in the 20s especially the 20s sounds like a terrifying fucking place
0: just like now no, i'm kidding um what uh he he terrorized girls right little girls
1: yeah i guess so yeah. but they, they make the point to say that there were two pair of siblings first and that i that was weird
0: Maybe he like took them and he's like, get away kid. I'm only into girls, but well, I don't know. They didn't really specify. I
1: I try not to think too much about that side of it. Um, later, I, obviously he couldn't show violence to children. That was of course ex- expressly forbidden, but um, he said he liked it better this way because it leaves your, it leaves the audience's mind to assume, th- you know, the worst thing you can imagine possibly, which isn't necessarily what happens, but by not showing you the violence and by not giving you all the details and letting you fill it in, it's kind of more effective than if they just showed you.
0: I do like, uh, I forgot what scene and who it was in, but they were talking about like, Oh, how did they get these kids? What did they give him an apple? And I'm like, <laughs> like we learned, you know, don't take, you know, candy from a stranger. And like, I guess back then people were like, don't take, you know, you know, apples from a stranger.
1: Every time I've seen this movie, I have thought about that a lot. Like, when you're young they're always like don't get into vehicles with strangers don't take candy from strangers don't do anything with strangers don't look at strangers in the eye (laughs) you know but uh i think we take i don't know i don't know for sure but maybe we take for granted because i feel like before i don't i just got done saying oh there's always been serial killers apparently but they used to say it takes a village to raise a child and maybe there was, you know, you could trust your neighbors. But in a city, obviously, it's it's a very different thing. There's just so many people there. Some of them are going to be dangerous. Mm-hmm. So you have to teach. And that's even like the last line spoken in the movie. Oh, I can't remember what she says specifically, but it's Elsie mm-hmm. uh, Beckman's mother. And she's saying. You uh, have
2: to look after them. And yeah, we have to look that- after
1: the children. And, and you too. She like speaks to the audience. She has like that crazy
2: look. Yeah, like, fuck. that was a great. So it, shot,
1: man. It, the, the movie's like, look, we we gotta we gotta look after the children. It, won't somebody think of the children? The Simpsons still say it decades later.
0: I was waiting for like, no, that's that's a dark joke. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, we can talk about. I mean,
1: part of whenever you bring up Fritz Lang, at least in like film circles or anything, but, um and it's all over the special features and all over the wikipedia article and everything for this movie uh you gotta kind of talk about the the meta of this movie and that is evoking godwin's law which i think i already did several times i think i already mentioned nazi germany several times so whatever it's it's out the window now um uh when this a couple interesting things about this movie that i'm just gonna buy and ramble off and then we'll talk about uh nazi germany banning this movie and stuff um when, when they first announced this movie he put an ad in the newspaper that was like i'm making a new movie it's gonna be about a murderer and it's called uh, the murderer among us and he got tons of hate mail and like death threats and the the head of his studio denied him studio space and he went to the guy and he was like why'd you deny me studio space what's your problem and the guy told him he's a member of the nazi party and that he thought the movie was going to be about nazis now it's really interesting to me that without knowing what the movie was about, he heard the title "Murderers Among Us" and immediately assumed it was about the Nazi Party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That says something about the Nazi Party in the early '30s. But then uh, Fritz Lang told him the, the plot of the movie, and he said, "Oh, okay, it's it's not about Nazis. You can make this movie." So he did, and um, uh, Gehring, the head of propaganda for Nazi Germany actually really liked this movie they have his diary i guess and when he saw this movie he just like talked about how great it was for like a couple pages he loves its depiction of capital punishment surprise and uh nonetheless uh in 34 or 33 it was either two or three years later it was banned by the nazi party because the nazis took power in 33 i think this movie came out in 31 so they banned this they banned a bunch of lang's other films despite that um not only Hermann gering but adolf hitler was a fan of fritz lang <laughs> they both loved uh, metropolis which is a movie i hope doesn't need any introduction it's like the science fiction movie of the 20s and um they loved dying i don't i'm gonna say it wrong die Nibelheim. i think it's uh it's a silent movie it's an epic about siegfried he's kind of like the proto-german superhero he was like kind of like a hercules character in german legend and it's about him doing a bunch of like legendary hero shit i don't know he fights a dragon or something i think but they loved those movies but they banned um they banned him they banned testament of dr bamboos and a couple other things and um the writing was kind of on the wall uh i don't think I should know this Fritz Lang. I don't think Fritz Lang was like a Jew himself, but he had Jewish blood in him. He had like a Jewish background and the writing was on the wall and uh, the Nazis had taken power and Jews were conveniently disappearing and going somewhere. No one really knew where. So he decided one day I'm leaving the country. I got, I got to get the hell out of here. So he decides he's going to go to the bank and take out a bunch of, this is his story. And there's some facts that contradict this, but his story is the most interesting version of it. So I always go with that. But He decides he's going to go to the bank, take out a bunch of money, leave the country. But before he can leave, he gets a notification that he's been summoned to some official sounding stupid building by Herman Goering himself. So he has to go there because otherwise they'll be looking for him. So he goes there to talk to Herman Goering. He's just going to talk to him real quick, leave, go to the bank, get money, leave the country. I think with his wife, I can't remember that detail or not, but so he goes and there's a bunch of, of, suited nazi punks and the papers please and gives them papers and they point him down some hallways and goes and meets garing garing's like thrilled to meet him and like walks across the room and meets him halfway and like gives him like i don't know a hug or something he doesn't say that but that's the way i like to picture it because that's the funniest way Mm. and um tells him look uh the Führer and i both love your movies and um except you need to change the ending to uh testament of dr mabuse he wants um i don't want to say because it ruins that movie and i I think you would both really like it but he wants to change the ending of of testament of dr mabuse and a couple of things and he wants to make him the head of basically all of uh film in germany he's just going to run the whole show you're going to be number one director of every film made in Nazi germany we're going to give you all this money and you're going to be a real important guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, that sounds great. Oh, what an honor. What an honor. In the back of his head, he's like, what time is it? The banks are about to close. I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> so, uh, so eventually he gets out of the office too late and the banks are closed. So he goes home and tells like his driver to pack enough clothes for like he's going to Paris for uh, two weeks or something. I think this is uh, Vichy France was a thing and the, the Nazis were in Paris anyway. I think. And then he left the country. But it's just funny because, like, the last thing he purportedly did was get called to Goering's office and he got offered, like, the highest film job in Germany. And then he left that meeting and left the country as fast as he could.
0: <laughs> yeah. And um, that's fucking interesting that Hitler loved his movies. I, that's the one thing I hate. Because um, Hitler reminds me of a fucking studio we're like we need to change this ending so that you know this happens Mm -hmm. and it's like fuck you dude just let the director do his own movie
1: no the the nazis did not let directors do their own movies that is absolutely not what was what was happening and it's such a shame because before the nazis came to power in weimar germany their film industry was like the, the the one thing in the world that rivaled hollywood for sure like in some ways it was better than hollywood but things started changing and then the state started controlling film and the Nazis took power and all this other stuff happened. And they never like quite came back from that, especially in the post-war period when Germany was cut in half, obviously. Hmm. So it's just like, but there's all these super great and super famous films from Germany in the early film years. And a lot of them are Fritz Lang movies or Fritz Lang films, both the Mabuse films, metropolis spies this and then also stuff like Nosferatu, cabinet of dr kolgari um I- i'm forgetting a hundred thousand other things uh the magician um other things but yeah there's 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 a, a huge huge wealth of great films at the beginning of of german film and then it just goes to nothing after the war it's it's just such a shame
0: nice um zach you have any uh final words you want to say about this movie before we uh, move on um
2: i i guess not i mean i really like it i i didn't really look into the background of anything that much after i got finished um
1: you you don't have to i'm just a weirdo that way i mean this movie stands on its own pretty well i think
2: yeah I mean, I did, I had no context for this movie at all to going into it, other than just like, oh, Peter Lorre's in this movie. I knew who Peter Lorre is, <laughs> uh, and that—that's kind of it. I—I <laughs> I wasn't even really familiar with Fritz Lang. I just knew he did Metropolis. That's all I knew. Yeah, I mean, that's that's all a lot of people know. What was your favorite scene? What's
1: your favorite scene in M?
2: Uh, probably the the kangaroo court, or like I said, the scene with the police and all the criminals trying to figure out what to do the crocodile club or no yeah. no
1: you mean when they're discussing
2: yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so or... much smoke so much smoke in those rooms there is <laughs> there really is god damn <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's I cough was... just thinking about it yeah it does
0: yeah that's what i was saying i was like man they smoke a lot in germany but then again everybody smoked a lot back then
2: yeah i think but, so. no smoking yeah, but... made you
1: man there's there's a couple times when I think I can see smoke blowing in from off screen. And I'm sure that they were doing it all. They were all, oh, man, this shot looks really cool. We need more smoke. And there's some asshole just off screen, like, like destroying his lungs with a cigar and blowing it all into the shot. <laughs> Speaking of the shot, another interesting thing I learned from the special features on the Criterion Blu-ray. This movie is one of the very few that is presented in one19 by one it's actually a smaller. I don't know if you guys notice when you're watching it, but the picture is even smaller than old films were, because silent films are in uh, something else I should know, but I don't know off the top of my head. Uh, a wider aspect ratio, and there are bars on the side, but the bars are even bigger with M because during for early sound films for just a couple years, they had the sound on the left side of the the actual film strip. And so that, that space is taken up by the soundtrack, and that's why the picture is so much smaller. And originally, when they remastered this, they didn't have machines that could handle it. So all the remasters for this movie are wrong until like 2002 or something.
2: That, that kind of makes me wonder, actually, does that have anything to do, this might be the wrong terminology, the frame rate of the movie, because I noticed several times it would all of a sudden speed up really fast when something was going on. And then it would kind of go back to normal. Was that Fritz doing that, or was that... I
1: don't know. I don't know in this case, but I'm aware of some directors would do that on purpose. The ones I'm aware of all did it for comedic effect, Buster Keaton, Charlie Chaplin, stuff like that. So it's possible, but I don't know in this instance. Huh, okay.
0: All Well, but I'm guessing we all recommend this film, correct? Oh, fuck yeah. 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 I fucking highly recommend it. All right, guys. So next week, we are going to be talking about In the Mood for Love. I literally pulled this movie out of my ass by looking at a top 50 foreign films. So,
1: And I'm a weirdo, and I like foreign movies, so not only have I seen it, I own the Criterion Blu-ray. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so, um, yeah, make sure you watch it. Come back here. We'll talk about it.
1: I think there's another movie called in the mood for love. We're talking about the Hong Kong movie from the year 2000 directed by Wong Kar Wai.
0: Yes. That one. The one that probably had subtitles. Yes. It's foreign baby. Uh, but let's get into some news that matter to us. Everything is canceled or delayed
1: yeah. <laughs> or delayed. Yeah. Um, Everything from major theatrical releases to concerts and tours, um, events, everything. Uh, stay home and watch movies. I mean, this is this is the kind of news that we don't have to say. Like, it doesn't even matter if you live in another country. You're aware of this.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I've been hearing a lot of people complaining about game servers being overloaded because of people getting locked down and quarantined and shit
1: what you fucking
0: expect yeah so guys remember if we do a national lockdown and there's nobody there at to uh you know keep an eye on the the servers better get those single-player games out (laughs) just saying
1: that's what i'm saying and if you do like to watch movies, there's lots of (coughs) excuse me (laughs) i guess i got it <clears throat> excuse me um but there's lots of opportunities lots of lots of stuff for are hitting streaming early universal released the movies that they have in theaters right now to streaming the only one i can think of off the top of my head is trolls world tour which is a children's movie i don't care about but still that's kind of cool oh um the invisible man uh which is uh i think a blumhouse movie i don't know but that um some stuff is getting to streaming early, even though it's not in theaters. Like Frozen 2 is already on Disney+. Plus. Uh, there's a few other examples of that. And a lot of bands are doing online concerts for free.
0: Yeah, Dropkick Murphys did something free on the uh On St. Paddy's Day. Yeah, so that's cool. I mean, we still got to keep our spirits alive during uh, this craziness that, are, that is happening. Mm-hmm. But let's talk about some shitty place that we've been talking for about a month now, Uh, GameStop. So it all started with uh, a streamer that I should have on hand, but I don't. But I linked you, uh, you guys last night of the guy who snuck into a GameStop uh, conference call.
1: Oh, yeah. It's been making the rounds. I've seen it on Reddit and Facebook since then. Lots of people which they should be but lots of people are aware of it now.
0: Yeah, a lot of people were like, "Oh man, you're going to get sued." And <laughs> apparently this dude like already hired a lawyer and said, "You know, it's fine. You're not going to get sued. They might try, <laughs> but, you know, nothing's going to happen."
1: But pretty, I think it would it would look even worse if they tried to sue him.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so pretty much the gist of this is the conference call was uh, a bunch of store managers and like store leaders or something like that. It's a
1: regional call, is that right?
0: Yeah, and they were talking to like the the head corporate guy and some other corporate bitch. Uh, where they everybody was like, "So are we still doing the launch for Doom and Animal Crossing? Why are we doing this? Because aren't we supposed to not bring people into a store more than twenty five people for a game?" And pretty much, uh, GameStop was like. Well then we should just space it out then, you know, maybe do uh Doom on Thursday and fucking Animal Cross on Friday. And like some of the <laughs> store managers were just like Uh, they closed down our mall. Uh do you still want me to go to go to work? And they're like, Well, you know, just ask for the key. Like <laughs> the, the it was what the fuck? It, yeah, it was unreal on what they were saying, and they're they're
1: brainless and clueless. Like people, people, honestly, at the district level and up, but at the regional level and up, it's even worse. They they don't know what reality is. They're all too stupid. They see they see the world through spreadsheets. They're mm. all stu- just dummies. It's true.
0: But the big news story that's going around, especially on Kotaku, it, it stems off of that conference call. But apparently um DMs and corporate people are telling their workers to ignore uh law officials uh lockdown thing so mm-hmm. if, like if everybody says a lockdown stay home don't be here they're supposed to say we're in es- essential retail
1: which they aren't clearly like fucking stupid there's there's no argument for that they they just aren't
2: and more and more they're becoming even more irrelevant over yeah. time mm-hmm.
1: i mean it's 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 so like disgustingly obvious they want that. oh we're gonna sell a bunch of games because people are gonna be stuck at home or something like that or better they just don't want to lose any business because they can't afford to which is clear because they've been on a downward spiral for a while yeah
2: something tells me it's like this is like their fucking bid is like all right if we it, if we close down for like even two weeks, we're just going to implode. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> yeah.
0: I th- I think you're right. I think that's what's happening. Um,
1: Me- Re- Reggie didn't arrive in time. It sounds like.
0: Yeah, I was just going to say that I was like Reggie is on the board and we were giving such positive like feedback to that. And Now they just like shot themselves. not even shot themselves in the foot. They chopped off both of their feet. They they're fucking stupid.
2: I think they hacked their legs off. <laughs> yeah.
0: But uh you would think like these launches of like Doom and fucking Animal Crossing, like if I was GameStop not and the concerns were I'm talking about like the store managers of having people come to the store and getting affected and in, and infecting everything and giving trade ins and shit. Like it would be proactive to be like, all right, our GameStop in a mile radius, maybe we could use our workers to be like delivery game people instead of just. Mm.
1: It it, it seems like that would be like an insurance nightmare.
0: Mm -hmm. I guess I'm just trying to think of ways to like maybe help people out if they want to have their games at home. I guess I would say Amazon, but you know, it's delaying it a little bit.
1: Yeah, I mean a day, whatever. I can wait an extra day to, to play Doom and also Animal Crossing.
2: Yeah. I think all the GameStop store level employees should like band together and that's just called say,
1: unionizing. The thing yes, you just described is called unionizing.
2: And just say fuck you. <laughs> um, I don't remember
1: or even know if this is still the case, but a lot of places have if you try to unionize, we will fire you. And I'm pretty sure GameStop is one of those places.
2: Well, you know, if they all did it at once, let's let's see how long your business lasts.
1: I know. I mean, it's it's only <laughs> it's it's only like barely questionably legal anyway, depending on what state you're in. I mean, some states have right to work and some have other things. And I don't True. know. That that's that's a whole. Honestly, that's that's getting way off of the beaten path for us. I, I have no idea in that instance. I don't know legal laws.
0: I apparently in one of the stories and there's a video and I guess I'll find it later for you guys, but. Apparently there was like three employees at a store that like protested and shit, and they told them to go home. Pro- mm-hmm. Probably got fired, pretty much. Possibly. Mm-hmm. Because think about it, you know, lose the workers and just have the fucking managers to open and close the store every day. Yeah, yeah do that uh, shit with just three people. Like, no, I don't know no, why I mean, the fuck really they can't.
1: thought that would work? Their midnights are canceled anyway. I know that. And uh, I'd like to be like, oh, they're probably doing some little business anyway, blah, blah, blah. But um, without revealing where specifically I work, uh, we haven't had any less customers. Like, I really think that most people are just stupid and they're still just doing their average day. So I I don't know. I don't know what to think about all that.
0: I think it's the people. It's the uh, political sense of thing where, you know, you have one side where they're they're freaking out and, you know, staying home and being germaphobe. And then you have the other one who's like, it's a hoax. This ain't nothing. I've survived Ebola and all that, and they're just like mm-hmm. living their normal life. It's whatever. But I'll
1: say I'll say one thing about it, and then I would like to try to move us along because I really don't want to get. A, this is all anyone hears is is stuff about COVID nineteen coronavirus pandemic lockdown shutdown uh, social distancing. We're all sick of it. Like this podcast is for fun. We talked about a German movie about a child murderer. That's fun, but uh, in all seriousness, though um you're supposed to this this sounds a little wish-washy but don't think about things you can do to make sure you don't get it assume you have it and then behave so that you don't give it to other people like if you do that then not only will you avoid getting it but you'll you'll be doing all the smartest things anyway
0: just like aids okay um
2: everybody has aids (laughs)
0: uh so sony had a uh press conference, I think, a little bit with Mark. Did they? I saw the headlines, but what did they do? So Mark Cerny, who is like the. The guy that is doing the hardware for PlayStation PlayStation Boy. Yeah, the PlayStation five and. Had a PowerPoint presentation and him just talking like ASMR about the specs. That's so sad. Yeah. And. It kind of makes me sad a little bit because. Sony was like rock and roll, and now it feels like Sony is like elevator music at this point.
1: I feel like it's hard the way things are to for Sony to do anything. You can't have a you can't (laughs) fill an auditorium with people and shout about how great your console is going to be.
0: No, but you could have a cool ass video with like somebody, somebody who doesn't put people to sleep
1: that's true that's definitely true i mean the states of play are usually like a little lackluster but they could at least try
0: Mm -hmm. and i
1: i heard the specs that were revealed were sensible and um uh like efficient and clever and stuff like that i don't know i i saw while i was pooping this morning i was looking at twitter and people were, were saying the xbox is basically this huge powerful beast and the playstation is a sensible and clever sleek uh, design Uh, who's gonna win and everyone pretty much agreed the one that has the best price in the best games mm-hmm. just like every generation
0: well apparently like people were uh, comparing uh, the playstation 5 and the xbox series x uh to um when the when the rock was in the beginning of wwf and to the rock what he is now like all steroid up <laughs> pretty much being xbox series x and i was like oh that's funny Mhm, but I also said he was cooler when he was you know in w w f but now he's in Jumanji, mhm, which I still need to watch that movie. <laughs> I heard it's okay, I did too actually.
2: It was actually pretty funny,
0: um, yeah, and that I was watching Twitter while I was at work, and people were like doing sleeping uh memes and shit when Mark Cerny was doing his prize conference. Even pe- even people that are pro-Sony were like, what the fuck is this? Like, really, Sony?
1: I thought it was a bad sign when I noticed no one was linking it. They were just saying it existed, mm-hmm. both, both on Reddit and Facebook. And usually that's a bad sign because if you're excited about something, you'll share clips or pictures or memes or something like that. And it was just like, uh, the PlayStation specs exist now. And that's kind of it. It's just like a fart in the wind.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, Andy, that... They're kind of scrambling at this moment like they didn't expect Xbox to come out of the gate and like show the console show what's inside the console and like we know what the controller looks like for Xbox even though like it's been the same for three generations now.
1: Yeah, don't fix my ain't broke.
0: Mm-hmm. And like Sony was like, here's our logo. It's Mark Cerny. We're not going to show you any pictures. Good night, everybody.
1: It's probably going to be black. Goodbye. <laughs> yeah.
0: But other than that, um, not a lot of news. Like you said, you know, all that shit that, you know, is going yeah. on. Is, is Everything's
1: closed. Everything's delayed. Stay home. Watch movies. Play games. If you have a backlog like I have a backlog, you could probably be quarantined for the rest of the year. Mm hmm.
0: Ah, uh, I think we're ready to close the show unless anybody has anything to chime in. Nope. All right. If you guys want to catch more of Big Trouble Little Podcast, make sure you go to novnetwork.podbean.com. If you want to watch them getting some color with me and Zach, uh, we do a bi weekly Sometimes if I don't have life things and work and shit, we do it on Thursdays. Just how we're doing it right now um, because craziness. And uh, we're also on novnetwork.podbean.com. Also on Spotify and iTunes if you type in Nerd Review Network. And we also have a website, which I do have to update, at nerdreview.com. But until next time, everybody, stay safe and wash your hands. Bye.
2: Thanks for listening. See ya.